It was one of those beautiful spring days in the northern Rockies. Uh, Meadowlarks are singing on all the fence posts, and the sky is just as clear and deep blue as a sapphire. We're coming home from Mass and slowing down on the county road to take a turn up our road when all of a sudden my dad let out a yell and jumped out of the pickup while it was still rolling. So I slid over and hit the brakes, and I looked over to see my dad in his Sunday suit climbing over the fence and take off running into our hayfield. Then I saw what he had seen, and I jumped out myself, followed by my little brothers, and in our Sunday church best, we climbed down through the ditch and through the fence and took off running through the hay, trying to catch up to my dad, who was running fast and already pulled out his knife. See, we had about 20 head of sheep that had got out into that new beautiful green alfalfa field. So my dad would run from sheep to sheep and stab them and then run to the next one, and we'd grab them and drag them over to the fence and throw them over onto our road. Now, this is Good Shepherd Sunday, so some of you might be wondering, why in the blazes am I talking about uh, my dad? It sounds like we're all out of our minds running around stabbing and mutilating livestock. So I have to give you a little background information. See, a sheep is a ruminant. A ruminant's a kind of animal. It's named after one. Of, they've got a, a, a stomach with different chambers. And it's named after a chamber in their stomach called the rumen, which is like a great big fermentation vat that's full of all kinds of protozoans and bacteria. What happens is they graze and they chew up their food and swallow it. And then they regurgitate it and chew it again. That's what we call chewing the cud. And then they swallow that after it's already mashed up and ground real fine. And that goes into the rumen. And in the rumen, all these microbes start digesting the hay. See, there's no, the sheep doesn't have an ability to actually digest hay. What digests the hay for him is all the protozoans in the rumen. So he's grinding it all up, and then it goes into this big fermentation vat. And then what the sheep actually digest are all the excess microbes and the fermentation products that are produced in this rumen, that big compartment of their stomach, okay? So sheep don't live directly on grass, okay? They're, they're feeding the microbes, which then feed them. Okay, great, Padre. So now we know how sheep uh, eat, but what does that have to do with mutilating livestock? It's a good question. See, what happens is if sheep have been wintered on grass pasture and then all of a sudden get out onto some fresh new green alfalfa, they have a real big problem. It's a huge problem because alfalfa is a lot more high-powered feed than grass. So what happens is they start eating that alfalfa and the microbes just go nuts. They haven't had anything this rich. So they just start multiplying. There's all this gas produced, the microbes. It just absolutely, it, it goes, they go over, overweight so fast, such an incredible rate that the rumen can't process it. And they just puff up like a great big balloon. It's called bloat. And that's what they do. They just start producing gas. And they puff up like a big balloon. And then they'll tip right over on their side. Because they'll just fill up. And they bloat right up, okay? And without drastic treatment, they'll get acidosis of the blood and they'll die. You have to get to them quick or they're going to die. Now, what's the drastic treatment? Well, they make a fa fancy high-powered tool called a trocar, but in an emergency, you don't go find a trocar. A knife works fine. And what you do is you have to stab them in the side. It's on the left side. If you're interested, it's about that far in front of the point of the hip and the same down from the spine, you know, about that distance. <laughs> and you stab them. And as soon as you stab them, it just, all this disgusting, just, they start gushing out this this smelly, green, disgusting foam just starts squirting out of them because they're full and it comes up and it collapses that sheep. But here's the problem. If you don't drag them and throw them over the fence right away, here, they've just almost died from, if you get to them in time, if you don't, they'll just die if you're not quick. But they'll stand right up and they'll start grazing again. <laughs> they're sheep. They'll just go, here they are, they've just about died from that alfalfa, but they like it so much, they'll just, so that's why we're throwing them over the fence, okay? 
So now you can see why my dad is running around stabbing holes in his sheep with a knife and getting all this smelly green foam all over his Sunday suit and why the boys, we're grabbing them, throwing them over the fence, so not only are we getting covered with the green stuff, we're getting covered with lanolin. Now, sheep's, the wool is full of a fat. It's a grease called lanolin. They put that in hand cream and all that, but when you start working sheep, you're just totally covered with it. And, of course, we had our Sunday best on. So we're covered with this green slime and lanolin. The sheep really like to graze on that new alfalfa. It tastes real good. So good, in fact, they crawl the fence for it. But just because they like it doesn't mean that it's, and they think it's good, doesn't mean that it's good for them. All that good pleasurable stuff would have actually killed them if it wasn't for my dad. He went out there and stuck them with a knife, a knife right through the sides and into the guts, and it didn't feel good, a really good stab. They don't like getting stuck with a knife. It hurts. They don't get, like getting drugged around by a bunch of boys. That hurts. They don't like getting thrown over a fence onto a gravel road. That hurts. But all these things, all that good pleasurable stuff would have killed them, and all that bad painful stuff actually saved the life of those sheep, except for two ewes who we didn't get to in time. They just died of bloat. My dad was a good shepherd who cared for his sheep, even if that meant hurting them in order to save their lives. And even if it meant doing things that he didn't like to do because he didn't like sticking knives in them and getting covered with green slime. I guarantee his boys didn't like dragging them around when they're all covered with green slime, getting covered with lanolin either, okay? So what does all that have to do with us? Well, our Lord is the good shepherd, and he's commissioned men to be his assistant sheep herders, to herd his sheep till he comes back at the end of the world. Those men are the ordained ministers of the Catholic Church, the Pope, the bishops, the priests, and the deacons, okay? We have to answer not just for ourselves, but also for all the sheep put in our care. That's you. We have to answer to him for you, okay? So just like dad's sheep thought something was good, even though it wasn't good for him, liked it so much that they would have killed him, every last one of them if serious measures weren't taken, so also sometimes our Lord's sheep can like things that aren't good for them. And so our Lord's shepherds have to take serious measures to make sure his sheep stay on the right side of the moral fence lines, huh? Keep out of trouble. And I, for one, sure don't want a bunch of sheep I'm supposed to help herd going to hell, along with me, just because this shepherd is more afraid of hurt, having a sheep having hurt feelings than he is about him having hurt souls. So given the weakness of human nature and the reality of this culture that we live in, a culture drenched in impurity, the chances are real good that some of the sheep here might be very well loose in some deadly dangerous pastures, so to speak, where they might like it, they might think it's good, but in fact, it'll kill them just as surely as bloke kills sheep. The consequences are a lot more drastic. So even if what we preach may feel like a knife in the guts for some, we're going to tell the truth, not because we want to hurt anybody, but because we want people to get to heaven. We certainly don't want you going to hell. So with that in mind, we're going to take a quick look at the teaching of the church to make sure everybody knows exactly where the moral fence lines are with respect to the gravity of impure thoughts or impure glances. Here's the basic moral principle. Now, this applies to every, each and every question concerning the Sixth and Ninth Commandments. Okay? All pleasure outside of marriage that's associated with the creative power, all that kind of pleasure that is directly willed or desired, intentionally procured or permitted, is a mortal sin. 
Therefore, it is mortally sinful for the unmarried to think, say, or do anything with the intention of arousing even the smallest degree of this type of sensual pleasure. I'll repeat that. All pleasure outside of marriage that is associated with the creative power, all that type of pleasure that is directly willed or desired, intentionally procured or permitted, is a mortal sin. Therefore, is a mortal sin for the unmarried to think, say, or do anything with the intention of arousing even the smallest degree of this type of sensual pleasure. Let's make sure we see clearly how this works. If the pleasure has arisen and there's no intention, the image popped into our mind's eye, we walk around the corner unsuspectingly, and there's someone not wearing the proper type of clothing, that's what we mean by no intention. If there's no intention at all, and there's no consent, hey, I don't want to see that. There's no intention, there's no consent, there's no sin. If there's no intention and some consent, we toy with the idea for a while, then it's a venial sin. If there's no intention and there's full consent, hey, check that out, you know, that's a mortal sin. If there's direct intention, I am going to click on that website, I am going to flip through this magazine, that's a mortal sin. So here you can remember it. No intention, no consent, no sin. No intention, some consent, venial sin. No intention, full consent, mortal sin. I do intend to do it, mortal sin. Okay, one more time. No intention, no consent, no sin. No intention, some consent, venial sin. No intention, full consent, mortal sin. Direct intention, mortal sin. Now we know exactly where the boundaries are. This, we're going to just talk about thoughts and glances, but it works for everything. Okay, everyone needs to burn those things into their mind. No intention. No consent, no sin. No intention, some consent, venial sin. No intention, full consent, mortal sin. Direct intention, mortal sin. Okay, now, now that we can see the fence lines, what if some sheep are being, having problems standing in the right pasture, huh? Or falling through the fences? Practically doing, what can we do to stay on the right side of things? Or if God's been merciful to us, what we, can we do to make sure that we stay in the right pastures, huh? And then, so we're going to spend the rest of this sermon talking about practical applications. There's two aspects to this. First part is what can we do to keep out of trouble in general and protect ourselves? And the second part is what do we do when temptation is upon us? So the one is how do we fend it off and protect ourselves? The second is what if these temptations come upon us? So the first part, what can we do to keep out of trouble in general and protect ourselves? Well, the saints are very clear that we have to both be careful to avoid, careful to avoid, and also careful to flee from these types of sins. St. Philip Neri points out, in these kind of battles, the only ones that win are the cowards. You have to run away. So we have to be careful to avoid them, and we run away if we're presented to them. So how do we do that? Look, anyway, there's no excuses. We're already stuck. If we're just going to be honest, we're stuck. The last time we went to confession... We promise God in our act of contrition to avoid sin and the near occasion of sin or amend our life, right? We've promised him. 
Now, God isn't going to forget what we promised him. And since we did it in confession, he's going to expect us to keep our word. So we're already stuck. We promised God we'd be serious about eliminating the near occasions of sin. If it's sinful or near occasion of sin, it has to go. So we don't, not only do we know what the saints say, we already know it because we've knelt down and the confessional promise God will be good. And so it has to go. That means we have to keep our word. God expects it. So it means we've got to get rid of it, avoid bad websites, bad movies, bad television, bad magazines, bad music, most especially bad company. The Internet is especially dangerous. There's nothing wrong with the technology in itself. But what it's being used for, saints preserve us when we look at the kind of statistics. It's a nightmare. You want to talk about a weapon of mass destruction. There's never been anything like this in the history of the world. Never been anything like this. It's just filling hell full of souls. If you're going to have the Internet in your home, put a filter on it. Parents, all it takes is one click, and your child's innocence is gone forever. And they may be in bondage for the rest of their life to something that was your fault that you didn't have it protected. If it happens under your roof and you don't have a filter, it's your fault before God. I don't make this stuff up. That's how it works. It's your fault. The woman of the house should have the password, okay? Mothers, please do not convince yourself that it won't happen to little Johnny. Don't convince yourself that. He won't do that thing. St. Augustine asked a great question. What's the difference between a little baby and a great sinner? And the answer is the lack of opportunity. Don't give the opportunity to that child. Put, remove the opportunity. Get the filter on today. If you're single, have a friend put install it and get the password. Don't take the chance. There's a free download filter called Canine Protection. It's from Blue Coat. It's free on a home computer. Information is this little handout. There's a stack of these little handouts out there by the Holy Water, okay? Other options, we've got it on here too. Net Nanny, uh, Cyber Patrol, Safe Eyes. Those are all there. The information's in the bulletin. If we're talking about the defense of purity, there's have to say something about Covenant Eyes. Now, I don't get a commission for this, but it's really useful. It takes away the secrecy and it works on the principle of shame. Here's how it works. What Covenant Eyes does, if someone has this, it makes a record of every single website visited, and then it sends an email list of every website every week to the partner. You pick somebody like the wife or a friend, and it highlights any bad places you've been. So it works on the, there it goes. It's really cool. You know, you can do that. It's like eight bucks a month. And the principle of shame, it's really powerful. One of the great features is if you have it on your computer, you can also free download. On, it works on PCs and Macs, but it works on Windows, mobile 6 cell phones, PDAs, iPhones, and iPod Touch. You can get it on all those things. So even on the portable things, you have something, you're not going to get in trouble because you're going to have to answer to it to a friend, huh? Or the wife, or the mother, or something like that. It's great. It's a wonderful protection type idea. Okay, if you're going to have the Internet, information's on the handout. If you're going to have the internet, if you're going to have the internet, get a filter and/or covenant eyes installed. And parents, if you're bound and determined to have just the internet around without either of these things, and you have the kids running around, I just want you to meditate on two images: millstones and flames. There's more information in the little handout. Please get a copy. Television. There's certainly nothing wrong with the technology in itself. It's just what it's being used for. If you're watching quality programs, using it for videos to watch good videos or religious programming, sports programming without the scandalous girls clad, clad girls 
prancing about, okay, that's fine. But if that's not always the case, if television is bringing things in that are sinful, you've got to do something about it. The best thing to do is fix it. Now, there's different ways of doing this. I prefer a 10-gauge with a full choke at 10 yards. I'd settle for a 410 in a pinch. But we need to avoid bad websites, bad movies, bad television, bad magazines, bad music, and bad company. Okay, what else? We need to go to confession on a regular basis. If we're having a struggle, that means weekly or even more often, if needs be. The church teaches it's a moral miracle to overcome these kind of sins, sins against purity without frequent confession. A moral miracle, that's greater than a physical miracle. A physical miracle is just raising somebody from the dead. That's all that is. A moral miracle is greater than that. So it's a moral miracle to overcome these kind of sins without frequent confession. So we have to take it seriously. Make good communions, begging God for the grace to remain pure and conquer these sins. Need to pray. Two prayers especially, the rosary and the three Hail Marys. Our Lady was not bored in heaven and wondering what they were doing in Portugal when she came to Fatima to warn us. She knows the kind of world we're living in. God sent his mother down to warn us and tell us what we need to do. Say your rosary every day. Don't go to bed without saying that rosary every day. The Mother of God has warned us. The three Hail Marys. Three Hail Marys, real easy. In the morning, you say three Hail Marys for holiness and purity during the day. Before you go to bed... Holiness and purity at night. So you see them twice a day. I've timed it. It takes 40 seconds. It's not that long. Holiness and purity. It was revealed to St. Matilda, but there's a whole bunch of saints. St. Matilda, St. Gertrude the Great, St. Philip Neri, St. Alphonsus, and St. Anthony of Padua. Those are both doctors of the church. St. Leonard of Port Maurice, uh, St. Anthony Mary Claret. We've got a whole list of saints, and they all say the same thing. If you're faithful to this practice through thick and thin, you'll get purity for your state in life. And Our Lady is also attached to promise that you'll get the graces you need necessary for salvation when you die. Forty seconds. Now, if, if you're struggling, you can up the ante. Take your fingers like this, put them on the floor, and then kneel on them. It hurts. That's the object, you know. And you're, you're asking Our Lady, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to do this little mortification right now. Please give me purity. If you don't have a struggle, then do that for your kids or do it for somebody you know or somebody you don't know because there are a lot of people in absolute bondage and we can pay the price for them. We're all in this together. Nobody goes to heaven alone, and nobody goes to hell alone. And we have an obligation, since God's gave us the true faith, to help people, to throw life preservers to them. So you can do these penances. If God's been so merciful to you that you don't have any struggles, then you pray for the people that do. 40 seconds in the morning, 40 seconds tonight. The three Hail Marys. Okay, we have to practice mortification. Set yourself a goal. At least three small mortifications every day. Again, if you're not struggling, offer up from somebody who is. What are we talking about? Here's what we're talking about. Denying yourself small, legitimate pleasures every day. For example, when you're taking a shower, keep it, unless you're sick, keep it at a temperature that you don't particularly like, and then at the end of your shower, turn it on cold, full blast cold, and turn around for one or two, three glory bees. Huh? That's a good mortification. Don't do it if you're sick. But otherwise, that's a good It's a legitimate pleasure. Your eyes. You're walking by a window, there's something interesting, you look the other way. You hear a bird, you look the other way. You want to read a letter, I'll read it in five minutes. You get a cool part of a book, you set it down and look at it tomorrow. If you get control of your eyes, 
You're not going to get this stuff in your mind, huh? Okay. You can put a smooth pebble or a bean in one shoe one day and the other shoe the other day. Every time you eat, take one piece of food and season it in a way that you don't like and make yourself eat it anyway. If you find yourself at a restaurant, find what you really like and then order something else. These are the kind of things that you can do all the time, you know? <laughs> Cut back on your sweets. Cut back on dessert. All those things. Finally, stay busy. You know, we all know that, uh, that, that saying that devil makes work for idle hands. But that's no lie. The fathers of the church teach that for one devil that tempts a busy man, there are a legion of devils to attack an idle man. For one devil that, it, that bothers a busy man, there are a legion of devils that attack an idle man. So stay busy with useful thoughts and labor. Lounging around is just asking for trouble. Okay, now we've considered what we can do to keep out of trouble in general and protect ourselves. Let's talk about what we can do when a temptation is suddenly upon us. All this stuff was preparatory. So, so we, we got our dukes up, but all of a sudden, here's a temptation. What do we do? There's two things here. We have to move our minds, and we have to move our bodies. Move our minds and move our bodies. Okay, how do we move our minds? The first thing, we say a little prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it in your mind. Precious blood wash over me. Just say this. Precious blood wash over me. Precious blood wash over me. Why is that? Because if it's the devil putting this image in our mind... It'll go just like that. Now, it might come back, but you can use this for anything, not just impurity, but you'll see it's very good to start to notice how they're working on us. Precious blood wash army, because when it disappears and people come back to me and say, Father, I was just amazed. I've never, you know, it went so quick. Yeah, because they can insert those images. They have access to our imagination. Precious blood wash over me, it'll go away. So that's the first thing. We want to get hell out of the picture. So the first thing we say is precious blood wash over me. The second thing, we, now we've got hell out, we want to get heaven in. So we say, Jesus... Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. You don't have to say this out loud. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Okay, so you start by saying, precious bud wash over me. That's hell out of the picture. Now you get the cavalry coming in from heaven. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Okay, so precious bud wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Those are the prayers. Then we have to think about something pleasurable that doesn't have anything to do with this temptation. I always say canoeing in Montana, because what could be better than that? But the reason we want to think about something pleasurable is we want to derail this. But it, we're, we're thinking about something pleasurable, but it's immoral. So we just think about something moral that has nothing to do with it that's pleasurable. So we just move our appetites towards another pleasurable good that we can think about that's visual and sensual and has no connotations at all that are sinful. So we, I'm using canoeing in Montana because you'll remember, especially since you're not from there. Okay, so precious but wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria, Grady, guardian angel, help me, and then think about canoeing in Montana, okay? This, that's what we do, right? And then we move our body. That's how we moved our mind, and then we move our body. What do we mean? I mean move your body. If you're laying down, get up. If you're sitting down, stand up. If you're standing, walk. It's like a spiritual wrestling move or a spiritual martial arts move. The better you get at it, it's the quicker you'll be able to dodge these kind of temptations and attacks, okay? So again, all you young people, memorize this. Parents, you can teach it to your kids. Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria, Gretti, guardian angel, help me. Think about Canoon and Montana at the same time you move your body. Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria, Gretti, guardian angel, help me. Think about Canoon and Montana and move your body. All right, one more time. Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria, Gretti, guardian angel, help me. Then think about canoe in Montana and move your body. It's, it's just like that. As you get better and better at it, you'll be able to dodge a lot quicker. It gets, it gets strong and strong. And remember, as long as we're fighting, we're not sinning. As long as we're fighting, we're not sinning. If you're fighting, there's no sin because there's no 
consent, if we go back to that. I didn't want to see I'm not consenting to this. I'm fighting. No sin. You're good to go. You could be tortured for a while. It may be a real battle. Every time you win a big battle, you get stronger. And the battles, every time you get one, you get more of those kind of scars from winning. It makes you stronger. If we fall down our face, that's what the confessional is about. You can get back up and get going. But this is the way to protect yourself. We have to be humble and realize it's not going to get, barring direct divine intervention, it's not going to get better out there. We're living in this, this, this sewer. So we have to, but God knew it from all eternity when he's going to put us. It's not going to get better out there, but we have the techniques and he'll give us the grace to do the fight. Okay, all right. So that being said, uh, let's have a quick review before we close. We've seen it's morally sinful for the unmarried to think say or do anything with intention of arousing even the smallest degree of pleasure associated with creative power. We've seen if if there was no intention and no consent, there's no sin. If there's no intention and some consent, there's venial sin. If there's no intention and full consent, it's mortal sin. If there's direct intention, it's mortal sin. We've seen we have to be absolutely determined to avoid the occasions of these types of sins, whether it be bad movies, bad websites, bad television, bad music or bad company or bad magazines. We've seen if we have the Internet, we need to have the woman of the house or friend put a filter accountability wear like Covenant Eyes on our computer. We need, we've seen we need to ensure our TV is not an occasion of sin. You can use other calibers besides a 10-gauge. We've seen that we can get to confession regularly, and that will help us. And we also need to make fervent communions. We've seen we need to pray the rosary daily and the three Hail Marys for holiness and purity, first thing in the morning and last thing before we go to bed. We've seen we need to practice bodily mortifications every day, like cold water at the end of your shower, like a pebble in your shoe, like seasoned food in a knowing way and, and eating it anyway, practice looking away from attractive things and keeping busy. We've seen when we're actually being tempted, we have to move our mind and move our body. We've seen moving our minds... We'd say precious blood wash over me because that gets the devil out. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me because that gets heaven in. We think about Canoona, Montana, and then we just move our body, okay? Let's close. If anyone is struggling here, don't be discouraged. Our Lord is the good shepherd, not the mean shepherd. He's the good shepherd that loves his sheep. That's you. He wouldn't be here if he didn't love you. He's watching over you. He knows exactly what the situation is, what sort of temptations you have to deal with. He wants to give you whatever you need to conquer him. He's watching over you. He came to save the sinners. And he's waiting for you to reach out your hand to him. And let him lead you to avoid the near occasion of sin, to make weekly confessions, to make good communions, good thanksgivings, Practice the three Hail Marys for holiness and purity. He knows his sheep. He's waiting to lead you to that peace of soul and that tranquility of conscience that you need and want. He's created you to be a saint, to walk with him to those beautiful green whales by the still waters of heaven. Amen.